In this episode, we are studying Genesis 29, and it's here that we see Jacob beginning a new life, finding a new family, and seeking to marry his cousin Rachel. So join me as we continue our walk through the Old Testament. Today's passage in Genesis 29 can be divided into four sections. The first section is Jacob beginning his new life in verses 1 through 8. The second section is Jacob finding his new family, verse 9 to 14. Then Jacob works in hopes to marry Rachel, verse 15 to 20. And finally, Jacob is deceived, reaping what he had sown, in verses 21 to 30. This betrothal story has a very typical formula. Boy travels to a distant place. Boy stops at a well. Boy meets girl. Girl's father invites boy to stay. And eventually, boy marries the girl. There are at least two other Bible stories that have a similar formula. Remember Abraham's servant and Rebekah in Genesis 24? And there's also parallels with Moses and the daughters of Ruel in Exodus chapter 2. Well, let's begin today's story, beginning in chapter 29, verse 1. Then Jacob went on his journey and came to the land of the people of the east. As he looked, he saw a well in the field, and behold, three flocks of sheep lying beside it, for out of the well the flocks were watered. The stone on the well's mouth was large, and when all the flocks were gathered there, the shepherds would roll the stone from the mouth of the well and water the sheep, and put the stone back in its place over the mouth of the well. Jacob said to them, My brothers, where do you come from? They said, We are from Haran. He said to them, Do you know Laban, the son of Nahor? They said, We know him. And they said to them, Is it well with him? They said, It is well. And see, Rachel, his daughter, is coming with the sheep. He said, Behold, it is still high day. It is not time for the livestock to be gathered together. Water the sheep and go, pasture them. But they said, We cannot until all the flocks are gathered together and the stone is rolled from the mouth of the well. Then we water the sheep. At the start of today's story, we see Jacob energized after his encounter with God. And we can see this by the Hebrew opening phrase that is translated, Then Jacob went on his journey, which literally means Jacob lifted up his feet. Evidently, Jacob was walking with a lighter step. And remember, Jacob is about 77 years old when he starts this journey to Haran. Jacob continued on his journey northeast and came to the land of the eastern peoples. And he stopped outside the city of Haran at the local well in the field, a primary place for shepherds to meet. Three flocks of sheep were lying around that well waiting to be watered. And there's a huge stone that covered the opening of the well protecting the purity of the water and preventing anyone or any animal from falling into the well. And it seems that each day shepherds would gather at this well, and once several had assembled, they would roll away the stone, water their flocks, and return the stone back to its place. Now addressing these shepherds as brothers, Jacob learned that they were from Haran, and so he asked them about the welfare of Laban, Nahor's grandson. They told Jacob that Laban is well, which actually foreshadows the impending strife that Laban is going to have with Jacob. 
they identified Rachel, Laban's daughter, who was leading a flock to the well. Jacob then orders the shepherds to water their flocks and return them to pasture since it was still midday. Jacob probably wanted to meet Rachel without so many onlookers. But unmoved by his orders, the shepherds replied that they could not water the flocks until more shepherds gathered and the large stone is rolled away by a group of men. One conspicuous thing we see about Jacob's arrival in Haran was the providence of God. God's providence encompasses his preserving his creation, operating in every event in the world, and directing the things in the universe to his appointed end for them. And it is God's providence that led Jacob to a well where he obtained needed information. God's providence brought the shepherds to reveal Rachel's impending arrival. And God's providence brought Rachel to meet Jacob. Well, let's see how Jacob finds his new family, beginning in verse 9. While he was still speaking with them, Rachel came with her father's sheep, for she was a shepherdess. Now, as soon as Jacob saw Rachel, the daughter of Laban, his mother's brother, and the sheep of Laban, his mother's brother, Jacob came near and rolled the stone from the well's mouth and watered the flock of Laban, his mother's brother. Then Jacob kissed Rachel and wept out loud. And Jacob told Rachel that he was her father's kinsman and that he was Rebekah's son. And she ran and told her father. As soon as Laban heard the news about Jacob, his sister's son, he ran to meet him and embraced him and kissed him and brought him to his house. Jacob told Laban all these things and Laban said to him, Surely you are my bone and my flesh. And he stayed with him a month. So we see here when Jacob is conversing with the shepherds, Rachel arrives with her father's sheep. Rachel means ewe lamb or female lamb. And there seems to be a wordplay here on her name, that there is a lamb with her lambs. Well, excited by her presence, Jacob rolled the massive stone away from the mouth of the well by himself, and he graciously watered her flock. He probably displayed his great strength, hoping to win Rachel's admiration. I mean, this would literally be a man trying to lift a concert grand piano by himself. And again, I can't emphasize that Jacob was probably 77 years old in this story. Well, remember when Abraham's servant had discovered Rebekah's identity? Abraham's servant worshipped God. But in contrast here, when Jacob meets Rachel, he doesn't worship God. He flexes his muscles. Well, overjoyed that he had arrived safely and that he was in the presence of a close relative, Jacob kissed Rachel and began to wep. And it's only after he kissed Rachel did Jacob actually identify himself as her cousin on her father's side. Well, Rachel became so excited that she actually left Jacob standing there alone, and she ran home and told her father. And on hearing her report, Laban runs to meet his nephew, and he embraces Jacob, kisses him, and brings him to his home. Jacob tells Laban about the news of his family, and Laban heartily welcomes Jacob into the family by identifying himself as his own flesh and blood, literally my bone and my flesh. And so Jacob dwells with Laban. 
Now, I'm sure Laban remembered Abraham's generosity when asking for Laban's sister's hand in marriage. And Laban probably expected a similarly generous bride gift, and that may actually have been one of the motives for his initial gesture of hospitality. But I'm sure he was disappointed when he learned Jacob came empty-handed. Now, these kisses of kinship are noteworthy. We see at the beginning, Jacob kissed Rachel, and then Laban welcomed Jacob with a kiss. And we'll see years later, when Jacob and Laban separated, never to meet again, Laban actually kisses his grandchildren and daughters, and we see this in Genesis 31. But he did not kiss Jacob at that point, demonstrating the distance of their relationship before parting. Well, let's continue the story and read how Jacob plans to marry Rachel, beginning in verse 15. Then Laban said to Jacob, Because you are my kinsman, should you therefore serve me for nothing? Tell me what shall your wages be. Now Laban had two daughters. The name of the older was Leah, and the name of the younger was Rachel. Leah's eyes were weak. But Rachel was beautiful in form and appearance. Jacob loved Rachel, and he said, I will serve you seven years for your younger daughter, Rachel. Laban said, It is better that I give her to you than that I should give her to any other man. Stay with me. So Jacob served seven years for Rachel, and they seemed to him but a few days because of the love he had for her. Laban had noticed Jacob's fondness for Rachel, but Jacob had nothing material to offer as a bride price. Jacob's parents did not provide him with any resources for a dowry, even though they had sent him with the hope of finding a bride. And again, this is in stark contrast with Abraham sending his servant full-handed when looking for a wife for Isaac. So Jacob's only option was to offer his labor as a dowry. And shrewdly, Laban asked Jacob to set his own wages. He was aware that his youth and at his being in love would prompt him to state conditions favorable to Laban. Now, Laban had two daughters, Leah and Rachel. The name Leah actually means cow, in contrast to Rachel, which means ewe or female lamb. Leah was known for her weak eyes, while Rachel was stunning in her beauty. Now, the Hebrew word rock is translated weak here, and this is supported by Hebrew lexicons. This Hebrew word is used nine times, however, to mean soft, tender, delicate, including the only other time rock is used to describe a woman in Deuteronomy 28, verse 56. So there are some that believe that Leah actually had beautiful, youthful, delicate eyes. And a woman's eyes were deemed a very important feature, for if she were wearing a traditional veil, she would be covering her face except the eyes and her cheeks. But the Septuagint translates the Hebrew word rock with the Greek word asthenes, which conveys the sense of lack of strength or bodily weakness. So I do prefer the English Standard Version's reading here that Leah's eyes were bodily weak. And that's how the NIV translates this as well. But even if Rock 
could be viewed positively, Rachel's beauty overshadowed Leah's. For Rachel was beautiful in form and appearance. And Leah was less desirable from a physical appearance standpoint. It was Rachel's physical appearance that captivated Jacob. So Jacob proposes that he works for seven years as the bride price for Rachel. Now, a laborer's wage during this time was about one shekel a month. And we read in Deuteronomy chapter 22, verse 29, that a bride's price is 50 shekels for a woman who had been violated. So Jacob's offer of seven years of labor for Rachel was truly generous. Probably the going rate for a bride price was maybe three or four years of labor. Well, gladly agreeing to these terms, Laban led Jacob to believe that at the end of the seven years, he would receive Rachel as his bride. And because of Jacob's love for Rachel, it made these seven years pass by quickly. Now, marrying a first cousin on the mother's side is called a cross-cousin marriage, and for since the children are coming from siblings of the opposite sex. And these types of marriages were common, especially for those who prefer marriages among close relatives. Well, let's read the final section here where Jacob is deceived, reaping what he had sown, beginning in verse 21. Then Jacob said to Laban, Give me my wife, that I may go in with her, for my time is complete. So Laban gathered together all the people of the place and made a feast. But in the evening he took his daughter Leah and brought her to Jacob, and he went in with her. Laban gave his female servant Zippah to his daughter Leah to be her servant. And in the morning, behold, it was Leah. And Jacob said to Laban, What is this you have done to me? Did I not serve with you for Rachel? Why then have you deceived me? Laban said, It is not so done in our country to give the younger before the firstborn. Complete the week of this one, and we will give you the other also, in return for serving me another seven years. Jacob did so and completed her week. Then Laban gave him his daughter Rachel to be his wife. Laban gave his female servant Biha to his daughter Rachel to be her servant. So Jacob went in to Rachel also, and he loved Rachel more than Leah and served Laban for another seven years. So we see here in this passage that when the seventh year ended, Jacob went to Laban and told him to give him his wife. This firmness of Jacob's request suggests his strong longing for Jacob, and Jacob's anxious demeanor heightens the crushing impact of the impending deception. While responding to Jacob's prompting, Laban prepares a great wedding feast and invites all the people of that region. And in that culture, a wedding feast typically lasts at least one week. Laban used the custom of veiling the bride and the lateness of the hour and much wine to effect the switch. And this switch worked perfectly. Leah had to have been a willing bride and she must have loved Jacob and likely despised her beautiful sister. Jacob did not suspect that his bride was someone other than Rachel, so he consummated the marriage. 
And it wasn't until the morning that Jacob finds out that he was deceived. His bride was Leah, not Rachel. Well, shocked and infuriated that he had spent the night with Leah, Jacob went directly to Laban and he uses the phrase, what have you done? And this phrase parallels exactly what Pharaoh said to Abraham in Genesis chapter 12 and what Abimelech said to Isaac in Genesis chapter 20 when they were both deceived. Well, after recounting the terms of their agreement, Jacob demanded to know why Laban had deceived him. And this Hebrew word for deceived, rimah, is the same root Isaac used to describe Jacob's deception in Genesis 27 verse 35. Well, since Jacob had slept with Leah, Laban knew that his plan was beyond reversal and that Jacob was completely dependent on any proposal Laban would offer. So Laban replies that it was against custom for him to give the younger daughter in marriage before the older one. And unfortunately, Jacob had failed to take into account this custom when he had negotiated the terms of his services. And just as Isaac had no means of renouncing the blessing he had pronounced on Jacob, Jacob had no legitimate way to free himself from Leah, thinking that she was Rachel. Jacob had to endure disappointment similar to what he had inflicted on Esau, his brother. Well, Laban did offer Jacob his younger daughter at the end of the bridal week in return for another seven years of work. Jacob may have been able to bargain for a fewer years since Rachel was the younger daughter, and he had already served seven years now for Leah. But realizing that Laban did have the upper hand and having such a longing for Rachel, he agreed to these terms. So after the completion of Leah's wedding week, Laban gave Jacob Rachel to be his wife. Now, I think it's interesting that there is no report of a wedding feast for Rachel. Laban provided a place for Rachel and Jacob to live together, and then Jacob establishes a marital bond and consummates his marriage with Rachel. The passage also states that Jacob loved her completely in contrast with Leah. Well, Laban's treachery achieved two important outcomes. He ensured both daughters were married, and he also ensured another seven years of Jacob's labor. Well, following custom, Laban does provide each of his two daughters a handmaid. To Leah, he gave Zippah, and to Rachel, Bilhah. And these handmaids are named because they will become mothers of four of Jacob's sons. Jacob's choice to love Rachel more than Leah planted the seeds of sibling jealousy. And not only that, but there were the two maids, which formed four competing future mothers. What a mess. Well, in our next episode, we will take a closer look at the women's interaction with each other. So stay tuned.